What is up, you filthy animals? Welcome back to the highway with Kyle Shut. I am Kyle Shut, and uh, there's only one way to say this: we got motherfucking Buzz Osborne from Melvin's on the show this week. How does he do it? I guess you just gotta be me. If you like what you've been hearing on the show, you can hit that follow button, hit that little subscribe tab, any kind of button you can hit associated with this podcast. It helps us out more than you probably know. And if you want to go one step further and throw a couple of dollars in the uh, the internet tip jar, you can find us at patreon.com slash the highway for as little as $2 a month. You can get early access to next week's episode, get yourself a shout out on the program. You can even help me put some beer in the fridge and get an extra special shout out. But, uh... We we might be all cut up on the shout-outs. If you haven't got your shout-out yet, hit me up. Just send me a message. Let me know. I'm a little high most of the time, so uh, <laughs> I promise you it's nothing personal. We got to give a big shout-out to Austin Buchanan, my good friend, my collaborator, the graphic designer behind all the hilarious memes and dumb shit that you see me posting. It's, uh, it's all because of Austin, so thank you, brother. Uh, he's also the one that puts together all the YouTube videos for this show, so if you like what you see... Go follow him at Austin the Beard Buchanan, anywhere you can find, uh, you know, people on the internet. We also got to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Heil Sound, because if you like the way I sound, it's because there's a Heil in front of me. Now, recording these intros is fun and all, but, you know, it'd be way more fucking fun talking to Buzz from Melvin's. So let's do things my way. The Highway. Welcome to the show, The Highway with Kyle Shutt. I am Kyle Shutt. I uh, don't know if you've uh, uh, heard, heard of me before. My band, The Sword, uh, we were uh, around about maybe almost 20 years, honestly, and uh, uh, is a huge influence uh, from from your band as well. So uh, welcome, everybody, welcome uh, Buzz Osborne from Melvin's. And, uh, oh, thank you. You know, I, I saw you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you finish. No, no, show. please. No, go no, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, you've got a new record out. Uh, uh, Melvin's does working with God. Uh, it's fantastic. Everyone should be listening to it right now. But uh, we appreciate you listening to the show instead. But um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you uh, again. Um, I uh, I saw you guys play once at Roadburn. Oh wow! I totally forgot about that one. Yeah, that was the that might have been the first time I saw y'all because you were with uh, Cody and Jared from Big Business right at the time yes we were we were playing we played with Blue Cheer that's right because Dickie asked me uh, if I had a, a string winder backstage <laughs> that's, a, that's the only time I ever saw Blue Cheer and it was a fucking thrill couldn't believe they it were, they were we great, played man. on the main stage and you guys played on a side stage just next to the um, the uh, the theater type thing we were in Right, right. You guys played um, just next door to it. Like, uh, that was, yeah. Yeah, one of the first festivals that I had played that was just totally indoor. It, you know, it's a rather small yeah. town. It's in uh, Tilburg, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, they've never great. asked us back. <laughs> Are you serious? You know what? They haven't asked no, us never. back either, to, to be honest. It's the only time we um, ever played, you know. Well, that's we did fine. get to see Blue Cheer, so that was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, right. Uh, you know. Festivals I don't know if you guys are good are like big that. Fans. Uh, I was, you know, I um, I, I can't say that I know every single uh, release they ever put out, but um, I, I actually did a um, 
what's their song pilot i did like a, a death metal cover of that just because somebody asked oh, yeah. me to to cover it and i was like it's just such a blues song i don't know how how i would put my spin on it so i, I did it all uh, super brutal and i called it black cheer it was fun well, that's, good. that's good <laughs> well i mean you know the, the, the one to really listen to is vincent Bizarrupto. yeah of course that's the one that's the two meetings on there that are the key the cornerstone to every stoner rock band whether they know it or not right you know that's where it comes from i certainly that was that stuff was as important to us in the beginning as sabbath or black flag blue chair is one of our favorite favorite favorites by far and just seeing them and they you know dicky died not that long after that and it's yeah. a fucking treat they really you know, to, uh, it, to have, have, be able to see them i mean that's like a dream come true you know is it one of those things where like, play with them forget it you know forget yeah, it. No. being able or, to play with them on the same stage it was like if you had told me that when our band started, I told you you're full of shit. <laughs> Is it one of those things where like people hit you with the uh, you know Beatles or Stones kind of question? And you're like Blue Cheer, like you know, as as your answer. I mean, you know, I like Blue Cheer, but I like the Beatles and Stones too. You know, <laughs> it's all good. Like bands like that, bands like the Beatles and the Stones. It's like they have such massive catalogs. I challenge anyone to not be able to find at least one song that they can like from those bands. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you can't find one. And the entire Beatles catalog that you think is any good at all. <laughs> really? You're the stuff. Uh... like one song, you know? I'm not, I, mean, I, I love them both too, but from that era too, I, I love Kinks. I don't think they get enough love. Maybe they do. I don't know. But uh, I saw the Kinks on their one for the road or their uh, one for the road tour. I know. Is that the name of it? Uh, once the live album they did the late seventies. I saw them. Damn. They're fucking amazing. They're That's unbelievable. Yeah, when I saw them. They, they had everybody except the bass player was still in the band. You know. Wow. And uh, it was fucking awesome. You know. What were they like live? Because a lot of bands from that era, like they had to to play live in the studio. There, like multi-track recording back in those days wasn't really like that available, or it might not even have existed uh, during some of those recordings. But their their albums were so tight. You know what I mean? I get the impression that, that sometimes listening to it like these days, like you know, oh, you know, kind of the the I, I guess the the artistry of playing your instrument, you know, kind of gets lost in the mix. But yeah, those guys were players. They were so good at what they did. Like, how did it translate? Live? I think you're, I think you're 100 right, and they're very, very underappreciated. Um, but to the people who like them, they're they can almost do no wrong, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm even a big fan of like their uh, um, low budget album and the later stuff. Even I think that stuff's great. And uh, I've, I've been trying to dip into it more, like Misfits and and things like that. Yeah, because I kind of dropped off after um, uh, the Muscle Hillbillies. They're just. Uh, they were really good live. They're great players. He's a great singer, and they were like it was right at, not long, maybe a couple of years after Van Halen made uh, "You Really Got Me Huge." They uh -huh. were joking about that. Here's a song made famous by Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> they fully were. Can you imagine how much money those guys must have made off of that fucking song by Van Halen? I, I think about that too, or like uh, Huey Lewis with the Ghostbusters theme song. You know, think about that. Like, you know, how much money did you make off a song you really had nothing to do with? Crazy. Right. You know? Just crazy. Not to say that Van Halen, Van Halen played a great, great fucking version of it, no question. Mm -hmm. I saw Van Halen on the Women and Children First Tour. Dang, I bet that was amazing. They were fucking amazing. I tell people that, and they don't believe me. I'm like, no, man, you're wrong. Those guys were the, arguably the best rock band in the world at that point. I would agree. I mean, like, nobody was hotter than that, you know, absolutely. And it was just like, 
everything they did. It was um, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of bands that only have one person on each instrument. You know, like uh, you know, one bass, one guitar, one drum, one singer. You know, or like Faith No More, the same way. You know, with like just a, a keyboard, guitar, bass, drum, vocal, and uh, just the amount, the, the kind of noise that you can create. Um, with that, it's just uh, so much greater than the sum of its parts. I just, I, I love when that magic between people can happen. It's so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, we were funny, though, at that time, the early 80s. Cause that was the first time I saw him. I saw him three times. And then the last time I saw him, it wasn't as good. It was a Diver Down tour. And I was like, eh, and I never went again. <laughs> right around that same time, uh, like a Fair Warning tour, they were fucking crazy good. That move, that that tour that they did on that was insane. They opened with "On Fire," which is the last song on their first record. Yeah. Oh my God, revisit that. Revisit that song. That's the best. That to me is one of the best rock songs ever written. You know, and that was when I realized it. Uh, or the first time I saw it was when I realized that Michael Anthony did all the high background vocals. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, that wasn't that wasn't studio trickery. They did it. You know, so that's what they sounded like on that first record. Is really yeah. what they sounded like. They were fucking awesome. But around the same time, we would go to shows like that, or we, and we would go see Black Flag. At the same time, you know, to me it was uh-huh. all good. You know, I didn't see. Um, I wasn't one of these guys who poo-pooed rock music when I found punk rock. I like that. To me, it was just like this is just more stuff I can like. You know? Totally, I feel the exact same way, man. I, I love that. Um, punk can be, yeah, sort of elitist like that. But I, I don't know. I, I've never shied shied away from a, a good song no matter what genre you know what i mean i i really don't no. care if it's got a good beat and a hot melody and i can't get it out of my head then they're doing something right i um, mean there are you know there's there's, there's heavy be, oh go ahead no i was just gonna say there's something to be said for having a song shoved down your throat to where you just don't want to hear it anymore but but still you know it's uh yeah 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 well you know there even with heavy metalers they'll be they'll be really disturbed that will be super into a band like the knack or the cars well, fuck you, this is great. <laughs> Saw the cars back then too. They were fucking great, you know. That is one band that, uh, yeah, that I wish I could have seen. I never got to see Prince. I'm a huge Prince fan, and I, I never got to see the Cars. Um, how, how did they come across live? They, you could tell the Cars they were really good. They played the songs perfectly, but you could tell they did not really like playing live much. Oh man, weren't really into it. But then we were also big fans of, uh, um. Uh, uh, the drummer uh, David Robinson he, he was in um, the um, Modern Lovers he was a drummer in that before I didn't know that they were that was a great band yeah and that also the keyboard player from the Talking Heads was in the Modern Lovers you know no way. Gary Harrison damn I had no idea wow that band that band is one of my they're, they're one of our favorites too you can totally mm-hmm. see it in there oh my god this stuff is great and that's really good but that's how we've always been you know I, I've been like my you know like I love Led Zeppelin and I love Kiss and I love the Germs and I, and I love Black Flag and I love Miles Davis. It's just you know it's never ending. I get something from all of it, uh-huh. all of it. You know, That's there's awesome. something good about all of it. There's not enough good music for me to just hate wide, you know, <laughs> sections of music. There's not. But then I'm very picky about punk rock stuff and metal stuff too. I, was, I don't really like that band. I don't like that band, but that band I love. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like albums, and I'll buy a whole album, even if there's only one song on it I like, because I figure maybe if they wrote that one good song, I might be able to find more on the record, maybe. I still I, I still listen to albums. I, I, I do enjoy that. Just a, something about a single or an EP, I just get tired of it. After one song, I'll listen to it, you know, a couple of times, and then I'll just move on to the next thing. But an album, yeah, I'll give it time. I'll, I'll, I'll Yeah, because you, you need time to digest it. 
and uh, and kind of let it let the little uh, surprises kind of worm their way into your you know uh, subconscious, and then yeah, it just kind of yeah. becomes part of part of you. Um, I like that a lot. Sometimes I like EPs because they can get them done quicker, you know, and out to me faster. <laughs> and a really well thought out EP is really good, you know, can be really good. You know, like there's a, a replacement, only record of theirs I like, it's called The Replacement Stink. Yeah. An EP. Uh-huh. That's almost the perfect fucking record. Perfect EP That's, record. Totally. It's like halfway within their, between their punk and their pop kind of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that record, I'm like, okay. That's all I need from these guys. I don't need another one of their records. This is a fucking great record, <laughs> you know. And I, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And that's an EP, and it's just like it has everything. It's on it everything live, that was good about this band. I don't, I don't know if it was live. It's definitely a studio recording. Uh huh. <clears throat> but that's my favorite record of theirs. It's the only one I ever listened to ever. You know. Mm-hmm. That's like almost too too. Um, first one's okay, but. Um, uh, replacing Stink to me is, is they really fucking hate. and I think they hate that record go figure yeah right I know I, I do love their songs but uh, sometimes I wish that they, I, I feel like they were kind of one of those bands that were like a victim of production at the time you know like I bet live they would have yeah. if, if they were recorded a little more raw if they would have kept that raw sound throughout their entire catalog I think I would have uh, liked it a little bit more yeah that's what I like about that, that Replacing Stink I think it's like a perfect record mm-hmm. great songs really funny performed really well high energy really fun you know uh and then it's done it has it goes through like a whole bunch of different kinds of things on it and still is fucking great <laughs> you know, i love that i love it so an ep can be good yeah right but once again i will listen to that as a as an entire thing i want to listen to that record not just one song on the record no i want to hear right. the whole record uh-huh yeah it's not that long anyway 20 minutes maybe or something but, but not, it's not a big commitment you know to to listen to it but man oh man i love it every time i never stopped loving that record from the time it came out you know never that's awesome that's great did did you ever get to see them back in the day never you know i never saw them so it was lots uh, of bands i I didn't see lots of bands i did see but yeah yeah when you tour a lot you you end up seeing the same band like a hundred times and then like missing a lot of the stuff that like comes through your hometown when you're gone yeah that happens uh, Dead Milkman was one of my favorite bands growing up, and uh, it was kind of like one of those things where, like, when they finally got back together and started playing shows, like, I was always on tour when, <laughs> when they were coming through my town. I was like, damn it, one of these days I'm going to catch them. Yeah, but, and then that one of those guys died, I think. I know, that was a that was tragic. Um, yeah, I think, if I'm not, I'm not no expert, but didn't he off himself? I can't. He did. He, yeah, yeah, he did. I didn't want to speak out of turn, but that was, uh, yeah, that, that one hit me hard. Um Growing up, the uh, musicians uh, going that route, um, just you know, I can't help but identify with that a little bit, you know, in, in, a, in a in a certain way. And uh, yeah, that, that I'm not aware of the I'm not aware of the circumstances. You know? Yeah, yeah, it was just um, he was just very depressed, uh, is, is what the story oh, yeah, was yeah. and um, stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, always rattles my cage a little bit when I when I hear about that. But um, well, I always hope that they can find something that's going to make him not do it. But um, yeah. I don't know. You know, I think probably everybody around him did everything they could. And, and then at some point, you know, there's not much you can do. The people right. that I've known that killed themselves, there was nothing I could do. Yeah. You know, Same. they were hell bent. And the ones that talked about it the most never did it. <laughs> Sorry to laugh. The ones that I, I just knew, <laughs> you know, like one of, my, one of my buddies, you know, maybe four years ago killed himself. And I knew he was going to do it. I just knew it. And um, I remember going home, I came home from tour. And the first time I saw him, a few days later, um, I came home from that meeting with him, hanging out with him. I go, I think he's going to kill himself. 
you know, my wife's like, well, you know, what can you, you know, I go, I think I've done everything I can do. And sure enough, like within a month he was dead and he never asked me for anything. You know what I mean? It was, he was just hell bent. That was, he was just going to do it. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's that kind of thing. It's just like, I have to just think that, you know, there's not much more I could do. It's out of my hands. And, uh, as tragic and terrible as it is, uh, I don't know what we, you know, I, I offered all the help I could possibly imagine giving someone and it's just not going to work. You know, just, they're just hell bent yeah. on not having that, that be the case. And then there's people that I've talked to massive amounts of times who insist they're going to kill themselves and they never do it. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I, it's, it's a mystery to me. Maybe the more you talk about it, the less you're going to do, I don't know. But then I've heard the exact opposite too, you know? So yeah. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I'm not to the point yet where Suicide seems like an option to me. I want to kill people every time I go out of the house. <laughs> I was going to ask, uh, how, uh, you're still in Los Angeles, yeah? Yeah, Los Angeles, yep. Yeah, so that's, uh, I, I can understand uh, that sentiment. Uh, but uh, oh no no that would be the, that would be the case no matter where I was <laughs> much more so in a in a rural environment I would want to kill people even more so than LA that's kind of uh, where I'm at right now yeah yeah it's um you know what I hate I, I love being in the country and, and driving around you know between cities and stuff but there is hardly a scarier place sometimes to pull over um, where the, just the, the the ignorance out here is so thick that there's uh, there's just no changing it there's no getting through to it it, it, um, it it's sad but I yeah. Because I, I do enjoy it more than being in big, you know, uh, sprawling cities. But um, it seems like the cities are w- w- the place to be uh, to get away from. Yeah, most of like the the toothless rednecks. Yeah, uh, there's plenty of toothless people in the city too. You know, I, I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's, there's, like, like ignorance knows no bounds. You know, there's no city limits oh, yeah. to that. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just people in general. I mean, uh, um, I grew up, I grew up in in super. Uh, rural area you know and uh um can't say i enjoyed it um i did develop a healthy respect for guns when i lived there and so i'm not afraid of guns because i grew up with them mm-hmm. uh, which a lot, which i think I, I i'm really happy i got that because uh, um it, uh, it showed me that uh, uh they are actually a useful tool and not, nothing to be afraid of as long as you treat them with respect it's a good way to think of it like a tool yeah Everything will be fine, you know, if you do that. My dad told me something when I was a little kid. He goes, all guns are always loaded. Oh, yeah. Even if they're not loaded, they're loaded. That's the number one rule. Just treat them like that. Exactly. And you'll never have trouble. I was like, that's the smartest thing to do. This is a, this is a you know, it's a lethal weapon. It's loaded. How would you treat it? Mm-hmm. We'll treat it like that all the time. It'll be good. Right. You know, and I love guns. I think guns are great. You know, I grew up around people who had not just one gun, tons of guns. Very little gun violence, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. Very little. Because you're going to break into somebody's house, you're not with a hell of hail of bullets. <laughs> you're not going to uh, do it. And they can shoot. Those people can shoot, you know? That's very true. They're and, not getting uh, around. Yeah, uh, being from Texas, too, uh, I, I, kind of the same boat. I grew up just around them. They're just kind of part of everyday life for me. So it was always funny whenever I would have friends from Australia or Europe or somewhere come visit. You know, they would always say, like, it's... Uh, I think we can go shoot some guns. I'd be like, yeah, it's a, you can go yeah, anywhere and just shoot guns out of here, man. And it was always it, it, people that, you know, I, I would think were fearless. You know what I mean? It's it's funny that the first time you hand them a firearm, you know, they, they get this look on their face just like, you know, just like shaking in their boots. <laughs> you know, it's a, such a stigma against them. Uh, I mean, I'll give them a 20, give them a 22 right, first. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 
Don't, don't start off with the, with the 357 Magnum, you know? No, not at all. But, uh, Give him a 22 yeah. first. <laughs> a 22 rifle first, then a 22 pistol. You know, um, the guns are not a big deal, but a 22 pistol will kill you really fast. So you got to be really you know, careful. About it. It's all guns. They're all guns. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So I love that stuff. I love it. You know, but... You know, as far as like me being around, you know, weirdo people, I'm not around. I don't like weirdo people without guns, you know. And it's a thing with me, too. Like, I don't I don't like to identify with objects. You know what I mean? Like, I I do enjoy guns. I own many of them, but I'm not like a gun guy. You know, like I I, I like. No. I do like to scuba dive, but like I'm not a scuba guy. You know what I mean? When you hang around these people that are just kind of that, they wrap their whole identity up around these things. It's just it's uh, it's it's frightening <laughs> to me. Yeah, you know, I, I have enough. I have enough of that kind of stuff. I'm not a building up a massive arsenal, but I have plenty. So. Yeah, all good. Yeah. But I, I, these are guns I've had my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not buying them now. I would, but you know, <laughs> these are ones I've always had. You know, oh, I moved man. to California with them when I turned in 1986. You uh, Probably. I would yeah. doubt it. He also drank a lot, which is a bad combo. <laughs> Guns are drunk. You know, I've, I've, I've heard, you know, people say that, you know, like this, uh, you know, never handle the firearm after you've had a few beers or anything like that. And I, I fully agree. But also, if you're sitting around your house at night and somebody breaks in, like you probably maybe would have had a few by that point, you, you know, know, if, know. If, if you like beer. So that's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't, uh, yeah, that that, would, that wouldn't come under never. That would come under as quickly as possible. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tex Watson's climbing through your window with a knife in his teeth. Yeah. I hope you have a gun. You know. <laughs> Charles oh, Manson man. or some creep. Yeah. Right. I, you know, it doesn't it, it doesn't scare me. I like I like the idea that you know that, that we can do it. And the funny thing is, like you're talking about people from Australia. Um, Kevin Manis, one of our old bass players, uh-huh. his wife is from Australia, and so you talk to her. You know, in L.A., she's like, I was expecting. Everyone here to be waving guns around all the time. She was the only people I see with guns are cops. I said, right. <laughs> you know they're there, but we're not waving them around. She was, I thought I'd see guns all over the place. No, that's not how it works. Some <laughs> states. Not, not the case. Yeah, right. Yeah, not in L.A. Right. You walk around with a gun in L.A., you get your head blown off. Yeah, right. Exactly. Cops will ventilate your ass so fast. <laughs> it's not happening. You're not. It's not happening. People don't uh, walking around six shooters. You know, just, that was never my experience. Even living in the rural area. Now, you know, in high school, I try. I tell people this, uh, and they think it's funny. We had a gunsmithing class in high school. People would bring kids would bring their hunting rifles and stuff to school to work on them. Damn, that's awesome. And people were like, what? Guns? Just like, yeah, it was, you know, during hunting season, lots of kids weren't even in school. <laughs> or they had their guns with them at school because they went hunting that morning, you know? <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. Right. It wasn't a big deal. And so, you know, gunsmith, woodshop class, there'd be people in there building stocks, fix, fixing the gun. You know, just nobody even thought twice about it. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal, you know. Oh, well. Oh, well. Now, if you mentioned guns at school, you'd probably be, you know, on some kind of no-fly list from now on, yeah. you know? Yep. 
yeah, I think we're we're done for then. And and <laughs> but uh, I do like I do like the the convenience of a large city. I like that. I like all those kinds of things. And uh, um, and I like the uh, uh, anonymity of a city like Los Angeles, where you can literally be lost in the middle of the massiveness. I do like that. I've been there twenty eight years. You know, so man, it's home. You know, yeah. I didn't realize it had been that long. I just I, I remember when Cody and Jared it's in LA. There. Yeah, yeah, thinking about that. Uh, whenever that happened, I just I've been there since '93, and then I've lived in. Um, it's coming up on 28 years. I've lived in San Francisco before that for seven. Mm-hmm. So California for whatever half of my life. So that's what we that's what we, we always laugh. We're Northwest bands who recorded one EP and one album in in the Northwest. The rest of our <laughs> stuff is recorded in California. <laughs> But we're always Seattle band, you know? Yeah, right. fucker, First off, I never lived in Seattle. <laughs> we moved away from there in the 80s, mid-80s, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, whatever. But whatever. I, you know, like I said, I, I appreciate any kind of attention. I don't care if it's right or wrong. That's why the internet, some of it's right, most of it's not right, and I just leave it. Let it have, mm-hmm. let it have its own life of its own. It's fine with me. If you ask me direct questions, I'll answer it. So that's my <laughs> ability. Beyond that... How this comes out on the internet, I have no idea. And I'll probably, if someone else quotes it, be completely misquoted or totally taken out of context. So I'm used to that. That happens. Not a big deal. You know? Totally. Not a big deal to me. I don't care. And especially these days, this internet insanity where people are totally up in arms and completely freaked out, that'll last about a week. Yeah. No, that's true. I've seen it happen time and time again. I know. It's crazy because it's only, yeah, it takes about a week for everyone to just to get super crazy about something else um to calm but, down and then yeah. they're not worried about they don't even remember that that was even a deal mm-hmm. is that what Marilyn like, Manson Jesus you know <laughs> no, 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 I, no one seems to care now well I was gonna say last I heard there was like LA detectives like um you know investigating him and stuff like that it seemed like that one went pretty far it may have but you know in a year, a year yeah. from now will we will we be talking about it no, absolutely. Not. No, he'll he'll be back to being the Antichrist superstar, which is what he called himself from the beginning. <laughs> what a <laughs> that, surprise! And also that too, where I was like, "You mean to tell me that the self-proclaimed piece of shit is a piece of shit?" Like, yeah, I can't wow. believe it. You know, I know, right? But so hey. between between singing in church <laughs> choir, he was doing all this other crazy stuff, and helping out at the local orphanage. You know what? Uh, what a shocker! I was shocked. I didn't believe yeah, it. Right. Right. Oh my god. Well, I, I, when you're shocked, you're shocked when uh, uh, um, uh, Rob Halford came out of the closet. I was shocked. Yeah, I know. When like, have you ever seen one of their music videos? They're like, what? never would have guessed. <laughs> I certainly never had that thought when I looked at Unleashed in the East cover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking kidding! And then, and then they're saying it, which, which, like to me, you know, that's the ultimate heavy metal record. You don't give a shit what sexuality he is. Couldn't give a fuck. You know. It has nothing to do with it. If I had to limit my, my rock music, I'd probably be throwing away half my album if that was how I judged it, you know? Right. David Bowie. I've loved Bowie since I was 12 years old. Queen. Did I have some idea no, that, right. you know, you know, that wasn't, wasn't uh, uh, maybe gay? I assumed he was gay. <laughs> Big deal. Who gives a shit? Or right, anybody right. look at a picture of Kiss or the New York Dolls and it's like, who's shocked by this? I certainly mm-hmm. wasn't even living in rural Washington State. I wasn't worried about, you know. Uh-huh. Okay, you know, but whatever. People get 
all up in arms about all. I'm shocked. What? You know, I'm not. I'm not shocked. <laughs> Or, or uh, George Michael too. That was one, yeah. Because like I'm, I, I'm a big George Michael fan and Wham and stuff like that. When people were yeah shocked that he was a freak, you know what I mean. And then like I was just like, oh come on, man. And then like I, I honestly like with all the you know obviously all all, all the legends dying uh, dying off slowly uh, as this goes on. I thought it was a crime that there wasn't a bigger stink about George Michael's death because that man had the voice of an angel and uh, he wrote some of the best songs out there. He he produced a lot Who? of that stuff too. Uh, George Michael with Wham. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't know how he died. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly. I just remember he died recently, and just I felt like nobody gave a crap, and I just thought that was a crime. Well, I think people were ruined by the uh, cruising at the uh, at the uh, um, uh, um, the uh, public restroom thing. I know, but I was like, it, you got arrested it, for that. I think that turned people off, which is once again not shocking. I know. Like I was like, come on. Like, have you seen any of their videos? Like, like any of this is a surprise. But, but, uh, whatever. No, it's not uh, to me. I mean, maybe some people are shocked, but I don't know what kind of lives they lead. I have no idea. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) No clue. I'm not Uh, shocked. It doesn't bother me in the least. You know, I'm like Rob. I interviewed Rob uh, when his book came out, and he could not have been. He's the nicest guy in the world, and I was, I was really starstruck because. Literally, Unleashing the East, to me, is the best heavy metal album ever made. Ever made. You know? And I, I love that record. I think without that, there would be nothing. You know, a whole new wave of British heavy metal, to me, is based uh-huh. on that. That yeah. kind of stuff, you know? Which I like all that stuff, but I think they're the kings. Kings of that. You know, nobody does it better than them. Especially with the, the dynamics and all that stuff. And he could not have been nicer, and I was so relieved, you know? That's really cool. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, aren't uh, I, I heard that um, you're writing a book yourself? Uh, working. I've been working on it for a long time. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was gonna say because I, I sort of started this uh, podcast uh, as well because to, to be like a companion piece to a book that I decided to write. And uh, yeah, writing a book it's uh, it's way different than you think it would be when you when you come up with the idea versus when you sit down to actually start typing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not like playing guitar. I, I've always kept well, yeah, sort of. I've always kept the. Uh, um, tour diaries and stuff like that. So I have all that stuff to rely on. Smart. Very smart, man. And then I've written down lots of, I'm a list maker. So I have tons and tons of stuff, tons and tons of stuff um, that I can go back to. A lot of it's not usable. And then I also, when I got married, I got married in 93. And I wrote literally hundreds of letters to my wife while I was on tour. And so, and postcards. And so I have all that stuff too. Man. You know, I described what was going on on tour problem is I have to go through and edit out a lot of that stuff because a lot of a lot of those things that I was writing about I don't want to rewrite because they're not very flattering for people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Listen to this fucking ass with this fucking asshole, you know, on and on and on. <laughs> I have extensive details of all those tours I did, you know, the really really nasty ones to the good ones, you know, so I'll be using that. But then I'm just trying to figure out the angle on the whole thing. Um that's the hard part. I don't want to just do a, you know, chronolo- chronologically do it. I really like the way that, I don't know if you read that Bob Dylan Chronicles that he did. I haven't. That's really fucking good. That's yeah. really fucking good. And then um, there's another book. Oh, what's the guy's name? I can't think of his name. Um, he wrote this book, Autobiography. He's a rock writer. Um, ah, I'm blanking on it. But anyway, he wrote this book called Apathy for the Devil. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, uh, uh, his book, Autobiography, is good. He used to write for you know all kinds of big magazines. And um, I'll think of his name before the end. But um, Nick Kent. Nick Kent. Oh, okay. 
Nick Kent wrote what I consider to be the best rock book ever. It's this book called Interviews He Did. Uh, it's called The Dark Stuff, mm-hmm. which is fucking awesome. If you read that, it's like this guy gets it. He writes in a way that I love, and he writes like if he writes all about all this crazy shit that he saw Brian Wilson doing, but he writes it in a way that shows that Wilson's crazy, but also shows he's a fan of Wilson. You know, he's not just writing about how crazy Wilson uh-huh. is. He's writing about Wilson because he loves Brian Wilson. You know, he's a huge, huge fan. So that's really good. I think it's the best rock book ever, ever written. And then his autobiography, Apathy of the Devil, is fucking amazing. It's amazing, you know. I will have to check those out. I would I would highly recommend the the um, dark, dark Stuff. I think that's, yeah, it's Dark Stuff. It's fucking great. It's great. It's him interviewing all kinds of people. Jerry Lee Lewis. Miles Davis, you know, just on and on and on. It's really fucking good. Damn, that's cool. He went on tour in the 70s. He went on tour with the Led Zeppelin. He went on tour with the Stones and write this really great stuff, really great st- Rolling Stone stuff. It's really mm-hmm. fucking good. Watching Keith, Keith, Keith uh, Richards overdose on heroin right in front of him. Just on and on and on and on. But the way he writes <laughs> it is what's good. You know, it's really good. Because he writes about his own fucked up life, too. Mm-hmm. That for the devil is really good. You know, so I, I would highly recommend it. Anyway, both of those. Nick Kent, though, is really good. That, so I'm using that kind of stuff and the Bob Dylan thing, thinking about those kinds of things and how those they did it, the ones that I really like. Uh-huh. And then um, the only problem is Nick Kent's a professional writer. I am not. And I, want, I really want to write it myself. You know, I don't want to ghost have ghostwriter come in and Dude, totally. dictate it, you know? It's all about drafts. Like, you just kind of have to get that first draft out that just kind of sucks, but at least it's there. And it's like your roadmap, you know, because like that's that's sort of what I've learned because I'm not a writer by any means either. But, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of uh, taking on challenges and like uh, maybe getting myself in a little bit over my head. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm, I'm having a good time doing it. And I figure at the end of it all, you know, what I mean, uh, j- kind of just like anything else, like at, at a certain point, you know, the first person to ever write a book had never written a book. You know, I mean, so it's like it just doesn't matter. Anybody can do anything. You know, it's just a matter of applying yourself and and uh, and knowing what sucks and what doesn't. As long as you know what sucks and then you don't do that then chances are it won't suck you know <laughs> yeah well i usually start off by uh and i know a lot of writers too so i'm friends with a lot of mm-hmm. guys who make their living writing and you know they give, they'll give me help and i'll send them chapters and they'll read them and tell me what they like or don't like about it and which is helpful and i'll just keep trying you know but uh totally but it's a slow slow going i've been working on that kind of thing for a long time but you know i'm a big fan of the printed word so you know, Same. huge bookworm, huge bookworm. So, yeah, I love it, and I love other things I've done in my life. Was like, you know, I've always been into photography, and it wasn't until like a year and a half ago I finally started an Instagram account where I show people my pictures. I never did they're, anything. Yeah, there are great pictures too. I was going to say, like, I love the black and white style and the the portraits and everything like that. Um, all your pictures from Tucson were beautiful. I, I love that city so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been traveling around a little bit here and there, you know, and I usually take tons of pictures wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, most people don't know that. And then that led to me doing the cover of uh, um, Revolver with Pat Patton, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like. <laughs> that was a really good one. <laughs> yeah, let's see if I can do this and take all the pictures and say, yeah, I can do it. I always thought I could, you know. It's like, I can make this work. Looks just as good as any other cover, you know. Right. And, and uh, um, But that's just one of those things. Like, you want to you write a book? Write. Start writing. You want to take pictures? You got to take pictures. You want to learn to play mm-hmm. guitar? You got to play guitar. I never took lessons, you know. Totally. That's that's the, getting started is the hardest part. You just got to do it. That's right. 
get into but, uh, it. Just throw yourself into it. Take you got to take a thousand pictures to find one good one. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, take, and just mm-hmm. realize what's good. The other thing that's good, with, especially with the photography, is, and uh, I'll elaborate more about my other thoughts on that in a second. But uh, the photography, my wife is a graphic designer, and so the last twenty eight years I've been with her. It's all about that kind of stuff. It's like, we'll be driving in the car and go, look at that billboard. Why does that billboard work? Why doesn't it work? What's good about this advertisement? That's what, you know, she went to school for that kind of thing. And so uh-huh. we'll talk about that stuff all the time. You know, like, that's a good picture. Why is this a good picture? You know, what, are, what is this ad supposed to be doing? You know, and why isn't it doing it? This is what they should have done with that. You know, we'll have discussions like that all the time, which then I'll sit there and think about, what is this picture I'm taking? I'm a street photographer, mostly, you know, but what am I trying to do with this picture? There's mm-hmm. a picture here. I can see it. But I got to figure out how to make this so someone else is intrigued by it, mm-hmm. not just me. It's not just a fucking snapshot. You know, there is something here I see that I really want to, to to communicate to someone the importance of this picture. Why? Whatever it is, whether it's a picture of my dogs or the landscape or whatever mm-hmm. it is, why? And usually I would just do that for my own amusement, you know, for fun. And then. Always before, I could never afford the film and the developing, so I hardly did any of it as much as I loved it. But once digital came around, man, I could just go off. And that's exactly <laughs> how it's worked. That's when things really flowered for me, you know, with that. But then also, though, like with music, it's like I'm not a trained musician, but I realized really quickly if I surround myself with people who are really good, it's going to help. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing songs for Dale Cover and Steve McDonald in my band now. I, I feel like I'm Pete Townsend writing songs for John Whistle and Keith Moon. You know, I mean, you can't go wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, I, he had Keith, Pete Townsend. This is one of my favorites. He had John Entwistle and Keith Moon to write fucking music for. It's insane. You know? My God. I mean, that's like I have Dale Cover and Steve McDonald at the moment, you know, and hopefully that'll go on for a long time. That's who I write a song, and they're going to be playing this song. They're, mm-hmm. gonna, they're only going to make this better. They're not going to make it worse. If I just let them do their job... This will be fucking way beyond anything I could have thought of. Totally. Because you trust, you trust the, 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 the situation you're in. You trust the process. I give them a push. They will hit a home run with it. You know, doesn't mean totally. it always works, but, but that's, that's cool. what yeah. I want. Yeah. You know, I, I have read, um, that, uh, you you do enjoy going into a studio session uh, just sort of intentionally, you know, half baked, maybe not fully prepared, just so that there's a chance for some like kind of serendipity uh, to occur while you're um, tracking in there. Is that kind of still how it holds up, or do you, is it always different? Just like you just never know. That's one uh, way. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly one way we do it. Um, but you got to remember, we've recorded north of four or five hundred songs. Yeah, I was I was trying to count albums. I got up to like twenty seven or something like that, and I, I lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With covers included, I've recorded well over five hundred songs. Written at least four hundred that I've recorded, mm-hmm. probably. You know, and so um, so then you know, in that process, we've hit upon a lot of ways of doing things, mm-hmm. not just one. You know, and now at this point, it's been this way for a long time. But you could put me and Dale and Steven in a studio with any equipment, you know, doesn't matter what yeah. kind of guitars or drums, we can totally. make it work. Yeah. I can make it work. I, I, I can get something out of this. You give me, Oh, this guitar, that amp, you know, anything out, I'll figure it out how to write a song. that will sound good. Make it, make this recording sound good with just this gear. And now we work mm-hmm. with this guy, Toshi Kasai and have for a long time. We have our own studio in LA. 
with him and you know we can record whenever we want to and so sometimes you go in and i'll have a vague idea about what i want to do i'll show it to those guys um and they're so good that their immediate reaction to it sometimes is really great and you record mm-hmm. it like that where they still don't even really know it hardly yeah they barely yeah. know it you get a different you get a different kind of performance out of them than you would if you beat the life out of the song for two months in the, in this, in the rehearsal studio, uh-huh. you're going to get a different kind of performance. And so then that doesn't mean that there's not that, but that is a way to do it. The funny part about that is then we'll take other songs that are massively complicated math problems that we figured out took us a long time to do on the same album as a record, as a song that they barely knew, you know, no one ever notices a difference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go, this one sounds like you recorded, it took you forever to record, you know, to learn this one, and this one sounds uh-huh. like you just did it in in 30 minutes. It's like, you know, nobody's ever nobody's ever said, you know, that song obviously took you no time to record, because it's what it sounds like. <laughs> no. I never, that's not it. So then you're sitting there going, why am I killing myself? You know? I, there's a reason why you kill yourself, because you get a different kind of thing. But we're not afraid of that either. If it's good, it's good. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we call that remotely close recording. <laughs> as long as it's remotely close, we can live with it, you know? I like that. And what it's, is good? What is good anyway? It's, it's, uh-huh. it's arbitrary. It's arbitrary. Uh-huh. But if, if what I think is good is my guitar ran through compressor, reamed, and then ran through distortion box, how can you say I'm wrong? Uh-huh. You know? I don't like, yeah, there's there's no rules with rock and roll. Yeah, just like no. get get a cool sound and just like run with it. And then, yeah, it'll it'll all fall into place as long as you just, yeah, don't limit yourself with things like that just for no reason, you know. Most bands are far too conservative as far as I'm concerned, you know. It's like, you, you know, there, there's nobody's going to drag you before the rock and roll committee for this. If you do something <laughs> different, you know. It's yeah. not going to happen. You know? And if you continue to make the same record then people really will not care about you anymore. They will, <laughs> you know? They're few and far between that can do that. Yeah, totally. Even then, it's yeah. Rare. It's rare. Like, yes, yes it is. Um, make the same record over and over and over and over. It's just not going to be good. That's why with ACDC, I listened to uh, uh, um, one album, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, not High Voltage. Uh, what is it? The, um, the uh, live, uh, live Wire. Oh, uh, If You Want Blood? No, no, it's a... Uh, it's, uh, um, I can't think of any of it. Or, uh, Power Age. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Power Age is the only record. It's like, that's the only one I need. I love that record. Great top to bottom, be done. There's a few songs here and there, but by and large, I don't need to have their whole record play. I, mean, you know, I have a lot of them, but I don't, that's the only one I ever listened to. <laughs> Did you ever get to see them? Never saw them. Nope. You yeah. know? By the time they finally came to Seattle, it was on the Back in Black They'd played there before that, uh-huh. but it was before my time. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had wheels to get there. And um, I just didn't – I don't think I had the money to go, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. They played some gigantic place and uh, three big shows, and I just couldn't couldn't, couldn't make it work, you know, at that can't moment. Can't win them all, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so you can't win them all. Can't win them all, you know. I don't really regret it. It was all right. I mean, I'm more of a fan of the earlier stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I know people who saw him back then. They said it was fucking great. So, you know, good, good, good. But mm-hmm. rock music is a weird thing. It's a weird. Uh, um, uh, we've always approached it that 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 we really didn't have any rules, and you know, we had a weird band name in the beginning. It was a takeoff on like the Ramones, so people couldn't pigeonhole us in the right. beginning. And we we liked the idea of our cover art being 
usually stuff that could be in a Coca-Cola ad, you know, mm-hmm. who wanted to be highly designed so that the most offensive thing about us is how we sound, not our <laughs> name, not our album artwork, how we sound, you know, we're going to reel you in in a different way, you know, that's it. You're not going to really... figure out exactly what we're about, you know. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I've always loved all your album art, and just because it's, it's the album art itself from album to album is just as different as your albums is from album to album. But it, as a whole, it creates, you know, a, a, a vision, you know, and, and that uh, can be seen yeah. over time. And um, I don't know, it's, it's even, you know, in the 60s, starting then, I, I think it's, you know, the, the visual aspect of of music has always been you know, paired with just the music itself, you know, whether it's bands getting huge from you know, live performances on TV in the 60s or, um, you know, huge arena shows in the 70s, like bands like Pink Floyd that introduced, like, you know, crazy visuals with their music. And then through, throughout the 80s with, like, MTV and, like, the, the music video being paired with the song. And even through the 90s when, like, you know, killer, um, you know, uh, movie soundtracks would have just, like, just, you know, every single song was just a killer outtake from a, a rad band. Um, I feel like it's kind of, like, taking a dip, you know what I mean? Like, people, I, I just... I feel like unfortunately people don't pay as much attention to the visual um, uh, marriage with what the music could be. It's just, um, I don't know. People's attention spans are short. And like also like just uh, the industry itself, the marketing has just uh, kind of annihilated the need for um, uh, spending money on, you know, music videos to market your album and stuff like that. I don't know. Everything's just so um, dismal seeming these days. How do you, how do you keep it fresh? Do you agree? Do you disagree? I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know, I'm 57, so I've lived through a lot of eras of music. Um, I don't feel like there was a golden era, and not in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. There's always plenty to complain about. <laughs> uh, always. You know, and uh, um, if you look at, like, the top 40 from, like, the late 70s to mid-70s, most of it's stuff you never heard of. Mm-hmm. You know? It's like there's a few things. Oh, I know what that is. I know what the, but, you know, these other ones that were number one. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. No idea. I'm sure it's the same now. Um, uh, but... You know, a lot of stuff happened where, you know, um, uh, things change. Uh, the music industry has changed uh, a lot. So it doesn't mean it's for the better or for the worse. I always laugh when I hear people saying stuff like, you know, well, back in when the record labels used to sell records and then bands could get paid. I go, who, who, who are these check-writing angels that you're talking about? Bands never got paid. <laughs> Nothing's changed for the bands. What are you fucking talking about, you know? Now you think is now now bands aren't getting paid. You know our joke was always, if you took everybody that ripped off every label that ripped off Bo Diddley or every person that ripped off something from Bo Diddley and got him in a long line, all all lined up right there, he still wouldn't get any royalties. <laughs> That's like, right. So Those guys never no, got no. jack shit. So it's like, no. what the fuck are these people talking about? Now that bands can't have to worry about you know making their money playing live, they're like, that's reason man. <laughs> You're out of your mind. You're living in a world of make believe. You know, yeah. where, where, where record labels paid people. They don't pay people now. They didn't pay them then. We've been very <laughs> fortunate in that uh, um, uh, it was a much bigger ripoff then, but because they actually did sell records, but they did everything in their power to not pay bands, and that's the worst of the lot. Were always the indie labels, always, mm. because they were fly by night, and the, the major labels had something to lose. The one thing you could guarantee from a major label is they were going to do what the contract said because you could sue them because they had money that you could get. 
you know. Whereas <laughs> an indie label will just go out of go, they'll just go bankrupt and you're fucked. You know, I've uh, had tens of thousands of dollars not paid to me by indie labels who went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to get it. You just get nothing. The money's somewhere. I don't know where it went. I didn't get it. You know, so I always think you fuck you people, you know. No, it's just new. It's just new. And I also don't want to hear any complaining out of you because now you get all your music for fucking free. Yeah. <laughs> so on the internet. That wasn't the case when I was a kid. I was waiting six to eight weeks for an album to get delivered that I paid full price for. You uh-huh. know, so, but having said that, I would have loved to be able to go on YouTube and what does Blue Cheer look like? You know, there uh-huh. it is. If I was a kid, I would have fucking died for that. You see full performances from the seventies of the who or whoever, you know, that would have been unbelievable. So I think music has changed. That doesn't mean it's worse. The communication is easier now, but, uh, um, but, uh, I think that people are used to not paying for stuff and the more they use, get used to not paying for stuff, the less they're going to buy it. Yeah. Like we just did two live streaming things online, Melvin's TV that, you know, I mean, we, we did enough to where we made money on it, but it's not, you know, a tremendous amount of people it's like yeah we haven't been able to play a live show that's right here this is for five bucks on the internet five bucks yeah you'd think it would be massive no that's not massive you know it's not making my eyes bulge out by any means and you're just like mm-hmm. okay people just don't care about this kind of stuff they just don't care mm-hmm. unless you're a k-pop band or something you know what i mean yeah um and so i'm not you know I don't have a lot of faith in the internet saving my ass or streaming or any of that kind of stuff. I just don't have any faith in that. So you have to figure out something else. We do a lot of limited edition stuff and we make less money on that stuff, but we don't make very many of them. And we yeah. if you want it, you're going to have to pay more for it. But you know, we don't sell these to record stores and this is really a lot of our way to make them really cool. So that's, that's changed in our world as far as that's concerned. I like that because I understand the collecting mentality, but I don't have a lot of faith in things returning to some semblance of normalcy that was in the 90s. But we've been very fortunate. The first label we were on, uh, Boner, the second label, actually, they've always paid us. Uh, Ipecac's always been cool. Atlantic paid us everything they they owed us. You know, whatever whatever their their contract said, they did exactly that. Certainly no more than that, but they did exactly that. And um, uh, so that's been very fortunate. And I'm not a guy who thinks the grass is greener. I'm not out looking for another label. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody like Ipecac or Boner, the records we did on Boner are still on Boner, you know, and That's we'll awesome. remain on Boner until he doesn't want to do them anymore. And then I will get them and I'll do what I want with them. But I'm not taking them away from him because I think I can do better, you know, totally. Same with Ipecac. Ipecac has been cool to us for more than 20 years. I'm not looking anywhere else. The checks don't bounce. They give us what we're owed. That's good enough for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the long answer. No, that's great, man. Thank you so much, Buzz, for sitting down with us, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Yeah, and um, and, uh, I've been asking. Of course, man. You you have to do something egregious for me to 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 not be interested. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Oh, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. But but um, seriously, the new album, uh, Working with God, is uh, fantastic. I've been asking all the guests uh, that that are in bands if they would mind if we uh, could play a song off of it. If if you had any favorites, uh, play whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking uh, between uh, Caddy Daddy or, or Negative No No are probably my two favorites. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick something fun, unless you want me to play I Fuck Around, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> which, which is also great. <laughs> we worked really hard on that. That took a long time to record. <laughs> I was going to say, when you tackle something like, uh, 
like that, do you realize like how many like vocal tracks you're gonna have to do to get it to sound like the Beach Boys? You know what I mean? Yeah, we knew we were in trouble. You know, <laughs> once I got the main vocal down, then we knew we could do it because we're like, okay, that's pretty close. We can we can do this. You know, <laughs> well, what do you say? Rem- remotely close. <laughs> remotely close. Well, we knew we had to. You know, in order, it's 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 funny. It's supposed to be funny, but we knew we couldn't just do a bullshit take on it. We had to do a real take on it. Right. And like, I want to do, I want to do it the hard way, <clears throat> not the easy way, you know? So not some punk rock sing along. I want to really record it in a, in a, with all the harmonies and the, you know, as close as, as we're humanly possible as we're able to do, you know, that's, that's what awesome. we did. So very, it was the hardest song to record in the record by far, you know? Is that why you put it first? <laughs> well, you know, a song like that, you don't want to cheapen it by putting it last. And it's right, yeah. serious about it. So we put it first, and then people, I get, I just, it's funny to me. It's like people get weirded out. This this, this humor, you know, these guys, uh-huh. goofy songs. It's like, what kind of lives must you lead? You know, <laughs> that, that you're that bummed out about humor. You know, it's uh, terrible. And it also shows how little you really understand about us. Right. Like we put out a record a few years ago called uh, Everybody Loves Sausages. It's a covers album. That was a great record. Yeah. Right, but it's like, it's supposed to be, and I thought people would understand this. These are bands that we like, that were big influences on us, that maybe people hadn't thought of. Mm-hmm. You know, like Bowie, or The Fugs, or, you know. And it, I think that missed, most people didn't understand that's what we were doing. So, mm-hmm. But whatever, you, know, you do your best. Red Cross did that in the early 80s on a record called Team Beige from Man- Monsanto, which is covers of, to show people, this is what we're into. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad you liked that record. I thought that record was really great. You know, Kinks, Bowie, all kinds of shit on there. Queen on there too? Yeah, a little, little Queen too. Yeah. Queen, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, good stuff. Good all record. good. You know, all good. Really fun. And, and uh, but whatever, you know, you can't please, you can't please everybody. I'm not, you know, we're just trying to make records that we like. And, um, it gets interpreted that we don't care what people think. It's not, that's not it at all. I figure that if I make records that I like and I feel like I have good taste, there'll be other people that will like, mm-hmm. maybe it won't be millions, but it will be some other people. If I approach it with that attitude, the same way I always did, then I don't know how I can go wrong. You haven't been wrong yet, but yeah, well, if I start trying to go, what is it my fans will like? I don't know what my fans will like. I have no idea. All I know is what I will like <laughs> And I figure that, you know, if I like it, that's good enough. And it's not that I don't care. It's that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what people are going to like. I have no idea, you know, and no clue. So we've always thought we should do a vote where we have an online vote where people vote, okay, what's the set list for the band for our next tour? And it's just gonna, it's not going to be anything outrageous. It's going to, you know, we're going to come up with the same songs that, you know, Right, yeah. I want to hear this, I want to hear that. There might be a few people that will, you know, contrarianly put weird songs up there, but when we tally it all up, it's not going to be radically different than what we normally do. Yeah, good point. You know what I mean? You can't win. So you just do your best and and storm ahead and figure that, you know, when we first put out Blue Portraitments and records like that, people hated that stuff. You know, like Stoner Witch, records like that got mostly shitty reviews. That's just crazy, yeah. I've I've been there though, man. Like, and then five years later, yeah, it's like their favorite record, you know. And be like, well, where were you when it came out? Right. And so we're like, you know, uh, look, you know, if I go by what the critics thought, we'd have quit a long time ago. <laughs> by and large, though, they're pretty they're pretty positive. But 
it's this lukewarm response to stuff where you're like, okay, that's nothing new. Yeah. Tell me something I don't know. How, how, tell me how I'm screwing up because, you know, that's all people ever do. And they just keep right. going. It's a war of attrition. And, you know, I'm going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I've waited out the assholes before. I'll wait them out now, you know. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is continue working. And eventually they, they all fall by the wayside. <laughs> that's so true. Oh man! Well, uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time to yeah, sign. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, everybody, go check out "Working with God," the new Melvin's record, and uh, uh, yeah, keep it up. But um, and also just keep working on the book, man. I'm, I'm really excited to uh, see where that goes. Take your time. I'll oh, take so don't, much. Yeah, don't feel rushed. Uh, anytime, man. Thanks so much. Fuck around, fuck around. I fuck around. Yeah, fuck around, round, round. I fuck around. I fuck around. much for tuning into the highway this week a big shout out to reverend guitars railhammer pickups and earthquaker devices if you liked what you heard you can follow where you can follow subscribe where you can subscribe and if you want to go one step further you can support us on patreon at the highway with kyle shut for a few bucks a month you can help us keep this party going get early access to next week's episode and even get yourself a shout out